Now. Welcome, spider people. I'm Brian. I'm John. And this is and the this tarantula, way. tarantula way. Hey, it was a little better that time. <laughs> <laughs> so how's you doing today, John? Uh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Everything good in your spider world? Uh, yeah, pretty much. All right. So, so we finally what about you? Got our... Yeah, everything's good. Family's good. Well, that's... kids are always sick. But can't help that. They go to school, they get sick. But other than that, everybody's pretty good. Uh, we're finally here again to do another episode that hopefully uh, a few people will listen to. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. <laughs> got those three listeners you know more than just a little but then not quite a few <laughs> exactly right. but we're getting there it's getting better people are just got to get more people talking about it have to do something silly or something to get people to talk about it well i am showing so, cleavage right now oh all right well there you go see <laughs> see when we start a patreon when we start a patreon that'll be some bonus video <laughs> <laughs> try to get people to help us out make this better make this show better so uh let's get into it uh first up is uh spiders in the news so i found a pretty cool article although it was really vague and very really pretty much just says that uh some scientists uh what university was it it looks german to me <laughs> okay so it's probably from it's probably english <laughs> it's british no it's definitely not english <laughs> um but now i don't see the name of it on here i thought i had a highlight anyways uh they're they're finally studying and this is like i'm gonna keep watching this and i'm gonna do a more in-depth story on it but it, they're 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 testing black widow venom which is kind of cool, the lat the latrotoxins. And they finally found, uh, they succeeded in explaining the first structure of the latrotoxin. So in the future, they're hoping that they can, you know, find medical uh, uses for it and, uh, and figure out how it works. And so they can use it for, for, uh, for, for good instead of evil. <laughs> I'll give more details when I can find more details because everything is really vague. I just can't see. Said, so, oh, University of Munster. Source is the University of Munster. So they have cheese here. Yeah, there's a couple, <laughs> couple <laughs> Munster cheese. Uh, they're the cheese. Uh, so, um, yeah. So mainly, this uh, the the article that I I found mainly just tells you about the uh, about what they know about neurotoxins, but they they're starting to find out more and break it down and and see uh, what they can use. So there's going to be some stuff published soon so as soon as i that is published and i can find it i will get to do a more in-depth story but it looks really cool um if they can break all that down and find some good uses for it so stay tuned for that and definitely we'll... stay tuned for uh that, i think it's going to be a cool article i know i probably made it sound stupid because i don't really have much to report on it but some neurotoxins that you that most people know that they use in medical field is botox botox is a neurotoxin Makes your face shrink up or some shit. <laughs> um, 
so I can finally get that facelift that I want thanks to a Black Widow soon. Right, right. No, I don't think it's a facelift. It just like smooths out wrinkles. I think. I know, but who knows what this tightens uh, the skin because um, most people can't seem to smile after they get right after they get it done. Well, but who knows what the Black Widow toxin will do? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you, you don't know. It won't be the same. Now, over Botox, I'm sure. Over the last year, it might have been like the last year and a half. I, I've seen little things here and there about like deadly spiders in Europe, like the UK, and. From everything I saw, it was just like some sort of house spider. I never, I didn't, didn't get too in depth on. I just kept seeing it pop up, but I never seen any real details on the actual spider they were talking about. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of weird little blurbs and stories around about about like a spider that was doing stuff that would make people react, like a a, a, a brown recluse would make people react. And uh, come to find out, it is yes. Oh, okay. And yeah, necrosis and other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and like Black Widow kind of bites. And so come to find out, it's it's a false widow. Like we have a lot of false widows here, but the, the Nobles false widow spider. Uh, new study confirms a Nobles false widow spider's bites can result in hospitalization. So uh, I thought that was pretty wild. Finally, finally figured out what spider it was. That's cool. And uh, it's just the people. It just for some reason that the toxin seems to be getting worse and worse in this uh, in this spider in the UK. Oh wait, is it? In the, yeah, Ireland and Britain. Yep. I have a, a shed full of uh, false widows. I got tons of them in my basement here, but it's not this particular one. Right. Um, but you know they're not supposed to be. St- Statoda is the uh, genus. Statola mm-hmm. nobilis is the one that they're talking about. I've got. St- Toda um, Borealis here, and um, uh, what's the other one? I forget the other one. The more common one. It's just black, but the one the Borealis is the northern one. Okay, but yeah, I got lots of those in my basement. If, if a box has been on the floor for too long, and you pick it up, you're, you're going to find a false widow down here. Yeah, that's way my shit. So yeah, is. they finally. They finally did a study on it, and it confirmed that this is the spider that has been really messing with people over there. Um, they're still looking at it and find uh, trying to find out more stuff, but uh, quite a few people have been um, hospitalized because of this common house spider that they have over there. So it's it's a little it's getting uh, as bad as a black widow, or at least for some people. And cool, cool, that's cool. pretty much it, except for I did find more a little more information on the spider that has been um, uh, invading South Carolina and Georgia. Um, it is called the Joro spider, and it's Trichonephala uh, clava clavata. And uh, yeah, they're they're it's just uh, taking over uh, everything in like. Uh, all the all the gardens and stuff in Georgia are just taken over. People walk out in their back porches and they're just covered with golden webs and stuff. So they're having a real problem with that there. And they come from Asia, uh, Japan, China, Korea, Taiwan, all over all over uh, Asia. So sounds cool. To they're me. invading here. They think they came. In. They're, they're kind of a cool looking spider. They're a bigger right. orb web weaver. I'd make be a happy big with wagon that. wheel kind of looking kind of web. And it's and it's a golden thread too, so it's kind of cool. 
Oh yeah, I'd be really happy. Yeah, but people are complaining them. about them because I think because they're so big, <laughs> they get really scared. And then you walk out your your front door, your back door, and if you've got like a porch or something or something that's got uh, uh, places where they can put the web from side to side, <laughs> you're gonna walk out and get a face. So many web. people are terrified of spiders. I mean, it's like the number one phobia here in the U.S. It's just it's it's like we're right. hardwired to be afraid of spiders. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, there's not really much to the story other than talking to people, local people about what they've in common. And most people are just mad because they walk out their back porch or their front porch and they get a face full of web and stuff. Uh, or, you know, when they walk through their garden, they get a face full of web. I mean, that seems to be the biggest complaint. In Nothing about account, being bit or each account. The spider is bigger than the last one. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> And they didn't mention too much about, uh, you know, taking away from local species or whatever. They mentioned it a little bit, but, that, you know, apparently nobody knows for sure. I personally think in a place like Georgia, there's plenty of food to go around. Unless they're eating the other spiders, I, I think there would be enough bugs for everybody to eat. Hey, they might actually do the, some good. No shortage of bugs down in South Carolina and Georgia and whatnot. All right. Maybe they'll kill some of the beneficial ones. I mean, well. Yeah, so they, they've taken off in the last few years. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. They've said that this, the, the Joro spider's taken off there in the last couple of years. Like, it's 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 spread really fast. So it's so, doing really well. It's breeding well and, and having lots of babies. So coming soon to a pet store near you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think those things, those need a really big area to make webs in. So I don't think they can do it in smaller cage kind of areas. You'd have to have a pretty big cage for them to do that. Okay. Well, coming soon to my house. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think, a, I think a screen cage would probably even be the best thing for it. I'm sure I don't have room, but I'm sure I'll find it. <laughs> right, right. All right, so next uh, we're talking about enclosures today, correct? Uh, if I remember correctly. Usually oh, enclosures, huh? Enclosures. Okay, yeah, so enclosures. Uh, you know, people ask a lot, you know, is this too big for my tarantula? Is this too small tarantula? What's the proper size for my tarantula? Uh, if I buy this tarantula, can how long can it live in this container that it's in? That kind of thing. Right. So we just want to go over uh, what we believe are the best things to look for in your turn in your uh, enclosure for your tarantula. So first thing you have to do is decide, you know, figure, you know, size and what type of spider that you have. Well, that's the f most important thing is what type of tarantula or arachnid are you keeping? And tarantulas pretty much fall into few categories uh arboreal terrestrial fossorial um pretty much that covers it right yeah so you're going to either be dealing with a obligate burrower a, t a terrestrial tarantula or an arboreal so so that, a pet hole or a right. big spider or or a tree spider <laughs> exactly so you're dealing with something that right you got to figure out what's the best enclosure type for that. And after that is it's not as complicated as most people would make it, make it out to be. You can, you can honestly, it depends on what you like. You can make an enclosure as, 
as sparse and spartan as, as you want, or you can make it complex and decorated as you like. Um, it, you know, it just depends mostly on your taste. Once you've, once you've figured out how to meet the basic requirements of whatever type of tarantula that you chose. Right. And meeting the basic requirements is usually super simple. So any of the elaborate stuff is really more for you than it is for the spider. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not that it harms the spider in any way, but it's just, just, you know, it's more for you to look at than it is for the spider to like enjoy his habitat because right. they're pretty content with just a little bit of room, some water and some food. They're pretty cool with it. All the ones I've talked to are. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't had any complaints from my tenants. <clears throat> now, there's different ways you can go. Um, there are plastic enclosures, glass enclosures, and then there's uh, acrylic enclosures. Yep. So with plastic enclosures, uh, you can go as simple as I do. A cost-efficient uh, way for me is I just use plastic boxes that are about the size of shoe boxes. And then the next size up would be sweater boxes. boxes and that's what I use. The, the shoe boxes are for like two inches or bigger. And then the sweater boxes are for, you know, anything that's five inches or bigger pretty much. And then, uh, you know, vials for slings. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can use or you can use pretty much anything for a spiderling to grow it up to a Con two-inch size. Condiment cups, I see a lot of people use those. Right. And then now these work for me because I use uh, small uh, four tier baker shelves, which are like a metal shelf. Mm -hmm. They're the smaller ones, not the larger ones that you would see like in an industrial place, but they're like a smaller kind of homeowner version of a baker shelf. And they stack really nicely up there. And uh, pretty much for the most part, all the lids have the same color. All the boxes are, are uh, uh, plastic, like an opaque uh, plastic. So it, they're see through, but they're not crystal clear. Um, but, you know, I can go through with a flashlight and see everything nice and easy. And then the fronts have labels on everything, and they're all stacked up nice and neat on shelves. And it's uh, pretty easy to keep everything organized and and uh, pretty – it's lightweight to carry everything to for, for cleaning and, and, and feeding and watering and all that. Um, I mean, that's just for me. Other people do different things. Like, John, your, your setup's a little more elaborate now, right? Right. So in the past, when my uh... – collection was a lot larger um i tried to go as as cheap as i possibly could and i was i used uh plastic shoe boxes or plastic sweater boxes with holes drilled in the size for you know ventilation and um my dog is having a i don't know but um <laughs> and in that way also with with so many of them it it that cut space and also if something happens whereas not not to say that this is a problem but sometimes you'll have a particular thing especially when you have a large large collection and you're getting a lot of them in and out sometimes you'll get like a mystery death or something happen and you may just like and i know you could probably um sterilize a container but i've i've been to the point where i'm just like okay i don't want to bother with this in a in, in a plastic shoe box it was just easy enough to toss it and start over um 
Right, which is another reason I like to use them because I mean, right. you know, I throw it away, and for a dollar I can buy another one, exactly. or two dollars, or three dollars for the for the larger one. And then, yeah, if something you get a death that you don't realize soon enough, especially in the warmer months when you might get some flies in there to uh, to eat what's left of it, it can be a real mess. And rather either, than clean like it, I said, sometimes like throw I've, away. I've seen some things that I, you know I didn't know exactly what it was, especially back early on. I didn't know what what this was. Like something came in uh I right a, and it came right. in with I something you. i didn't know what it was and i'm just like you know what better be safe better be safe than sorry but oh for sure since i you know through since, as i got more experienced and i cut down my collection a lot um yeah i switched recently to all glass containers i have i'm using a hundred percent glass uh containers right now and i decorate them and everything um i actually started i I bought a bunch of them where uh, from somebody that with the I bought a collection from somebody with a lot of containers and everything already glass containers and then I act then I continued from there so and it's it's uh you know I like it better for display and all of that kind of stuff but it doesn't it doesn't make it any easier honestly it probably makes it a little more difficult to maintain them but a little more work to maintain them for yeah. sure. I like them though, um, but yeah, yeah, so, they look really nice. So currently, most of my collection has either it depends on the arboreal stuff. It has um, they're in taller tanks, and and we're gonna get into that uh, m more in depth a little bit later. But they have right. uh, taller taller tanks um, with uh, cork bark in there, and some decorations. I have like. Uh, plastic plants i don't use any live plants currently um with a screen top whereas mo the vast majority of the rest of my terrestrial collections are in five and a half gallons with um acrylic tops with uh holes drilled in so and and lots of decorations so you chose not to use screen um there's a couple that have screen and i just what i do with the screen um, it depends on the type of screen. Um, there's some screen that I don't like because a lot of the tarantulas and it depends on what they are, will crawl up and get their tarsal claws stuck in the, right. in the screen and they can, uh, get flipped around, break off legs. I've had one break fangs off in there before many, many years ago. Um, it depends on the type of screen. Um, usually it's the harder metal screen that that happens with. So right with some of with some of the lighter mesh um i'll i'll use a clear tape to kind of restrict some of the ventilation so so you don't get so much uh drying out right right that way you get more humidity exactly but yeah yeah and i i uh i don't keep too many arboreal tar arboreal tarantulas anymore because uh uh, space issues where I can keep where I can keep like maybe three or four um, uh, tall cages. I can keep like twelve terrestrial cages. So right. <laughs> for me, it was just kind of about you know the numbers and stuff. And yeah, I definitely keep the plastic because it's uh it's just too much for 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 glass for the size of the collection that I have. And stuff right. is in and out so much that it's like too much. So the plastic works better for me. And then uh, if you want to get really fancy, you can go with acrylic cages. Mm -hmm. 
which I have a few of them. You have, you have, I don't have any, well, no, I don't have any. I, I had, a, somebody had given me a cheaper acrylic cage. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a snap together kit. <laughs> you mm-hmm. do it yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't had any acrylic cages. Now, do you have any problems with those scratching easily? Yeah, they scratch really easily. At least the one, the, yeah, like, the, the, two, the couple that I have, yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't have enough experience to know if there's kinds that don't scratch easier than others. But as far as I know, acrylic scratch is like pretty darn easy. So over a period of time of moving the cage and whatnot, you're going to get scratches on it and mm-hmm. probably need to replace it. But I don't know how long it takes to get, you know, to make it look really bad where you would want to replace it. Yeah, I haven't reached. But that I tell you, <laughs> I will tell you that if you go on Google and search tarantula enclosures or tarantula cages or something like that, you will find no shortage of people making them, or you know, uh, large companies that sell them at pet stores and whatnot, like Exoterra. You'll find no shortage of those. Yeah, I have them and so, right now. I'm not just not currently using them. I do have a couple. Yeah, I've had them over the years. The yeah, right. I still they're have cool. mine, they're, but I'm not currently. The Exoterras are pretty cool. And then, you know, there's critter, there's a lot of different, you can, for plastic, there's critter keepers, which is mm-hmm. a mass-produced kind of uh, uh, reptile and uh, arachnid kind of cage. And I know and a lot of people that have kept entire collections in critter keepers. That, I mean, I personally don't like them much, but... I mean, they're convenient. they're really ventilated for me. Yeah, I mean, they're too ventilated, I think, for me too. Yeah, for they're most, so ventilated. for most species. For I mean, me. yeah, if you want to keep a Chalcodes or something like that, they'd probably be cool in, in a critter, yeah. critter keeper or a rose hair or something that likes it real dry. But and I guess otherwise. also you have to factor in the relative humidity in the person's house. So I mean, everybody's you know their home homes vary. So right, that's true. I know where we are in the winter with forced air furnaces, it makes sure it dries out your house pretty bad. Right. And there's no shortage of uh, people on YouTube. You can find that you can find a lot of different uh, uh, types of enclosures that people are making in their own houses. Uh, one that I like is uh tarantula tastic enclosures on YouTube. They are, uh, they make some really unique uh, enclosures, and I'm a horror movie fan. And he makes. And this he does is not Jason a paid endorsement. No, it's not. It's just somebody <laughs> that I watch that I'm suggesting. But I think he's cool. I think he makes some cool ones. Uh, he made some Freddy Krueger ones and some Jason uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Michael Myers, and uh, but he's also made other movie themed ones too. So I think uh, he's really unique and, and cool guy to, to check out. Awesome. Anybody you watch, John? No, not really. Do 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 K-pop no. people count? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Oh, <laughs> maybe they like tarantulas too. I don't know. <laughs> You're a big K-pop guy. I'm <laughs> nope, I don't think that's uh, gonna do. So, um, what about the size of enclosures? Okay, so the like I said, most of my stuff is in five and a half. Most of them. Um, there are, I do have probably about, I don't know how many, but I have some two and a halves and then I have, uh, a, a few tens and the, and the only thing, and the only things in the tens are theraphosis. So, ah, uh, yeah, it's pretty much that or a Laziador or something. So that's all you're going to need. Currently my Laziadors are in five and a half. So yeah, I don't know. They may end up having an upgrade. I don't know. So far, they're fine. Yeah. 
That's cool. Uh, anything else in enclosures? Oh, yeah, I guess uh, water dishes is a good thing to talk about. Well, yeah. Every... They, we covered substrate uh, prior in a previous podcast, correct? Right, but yeah. we should definitely mention uh, mention different types of substrate. I prefer peat, just straight peat. I know you prefer peat with a little bit of vermiculite, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, other people use coconut fiber stuff. I don't personally like that. I don't I have think some of that. I've, I have some of that just because sometimes the peat was uh, scarce or, you know, at certain times, especially during the right, pandemic. Right. I had a hard time. Well, like not not like we're not stealing it, but I had a hard time finding some things. So, right. Yeah. All of 2021, hard time finding anything you want. All right. <laughs> I find lots of stuff I don't want, but the minute I want it, it's gone. So yeah, but uh water dishes um or substrate that that's pretty much what most people use. Uh potting soil is a little bit too wet and dense, uh you know, clays and stuff that's a lot. Now there are uh well, I'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. Um, water dishes, you want to have a good-sized water dish. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably don't want to have it too deep, though, because your crickets will uh, uh, complete suicide um, if you do that, like, instantly. Um, but you, if you have a good enough, a big enough water dish, you can put, like, a good-sized rock or something inside of it that will stick out, and that way the crickets can jump out of the water when they get out, and the tarantula can still get water. I have um I pers- like the river stones, the gravel river stones in, in the bottom of uh, I use ceramic uh water dishes, like little ceramic ones. I know it's like and 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 unfortunately for me, I'm so <laughs> I have this I have a problem, okay. I can't I have to have everything like to match similarly somehow. So yeah, I had to get right. I like that too dishes. myself. I mean, like I try to keep all my boxes have pretty much the same color tops, almost all of them do. Right. And so I have to put in a label, I have label for the name, and I have to put them all on the exact same side. So yeah, everything right. has to be, yeah, everything yeah, has to be. Yeah, that's got to look nice. Exactly. Symmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Now, I use fish gravel in mine or river stones. I have yep. bought a big bag of river stones, too. But fish gravel or river stones because those are cool with being wet and don't grow molds and mildews right. and disgusting stuff so those work really good so your cricket's got some way to jump out of the water but your spider can still get water out of the dish plus the river stones are heavy enough that once your tarantula decides which is inevitably it's going to do that decides to (laughs) fill the water dish up with substrate you can separate that substrate pretty easily and still keep most of your river stones aside yeah because the river stones are larger than the fish Uh, yeah I do like those a lot too. Plus, yeah, my spiders dig the fish gravel out. <laughs> some, some of them, not all of them, but they'll just dig it all out. And then I look and all around it is just like gravel. Like, are you making a beach over here or what? I, I never know what they're doing with their construction projects. I just, you know. Right. It looks like a little beach, like, it, like it's sand around the beach, you know? Um. So, yeah, and the, the water dish does help with humidity as well. They can go closer to the water dish. The bigger, you know, if it's got a, if it's holding a good amount of water, that's usually plenty of uh, humidity for most spiders in most cages. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Decorations. You can use just about anything you want for a decoration. Watch out for sharp any. edges. 
Right, you don't want any pointy edges that can pop abdomens or anything like that. But I mean, you know, fake plants and softer things and uh, stones and stuff like that. You can use just about anything. With I, I even wood, certain... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, that's right. I just said I even use toys sometimes as decorations and whatnot. With wood, certain woods will uh, mold sometimes. So I've, I've found that right. cork bark is I've... good. Cork bark's your best wood to use pretty yeah. much because I, I find that uh, even, you know, you take a nice old dried branch you find outside and bring it in and it, it gets too humid in there and it, that'll even start molding. Yeah. Or growing something on it or something like that. So, yep. I don't use that too much. So. Oh, uh, oh, I have, a, I have a thing. No. I oh, so oh, I used oh, oh. to I used to cut um it, it, in my more Spartan tanks the the ones that were just like boxes what I what I was doing was cutting um plastic flower pots in half as like or well maybe a little uh, I'd give them probably a little more than half and used to so terrestrials could use that as a shelter um and they which they do but they have holes in them for drainage they have drainage holes in the bottom and if you don't cut those uh, holes i had a piece sesame get stuck with all of her legs through one side and her abdomen was too big to go through the other side and so i had to try to carefully cut the spider out of the the flower pot hole the drainage hole while she was trying to bite me <laughs> and i was trying not to damage her so yeah it was uh fun yes I've, I've had the exact same thing happen with a big Laziadora. i used uh one of those uh plastic pots that basically the cheap one that the plant comes in yep. and you cut it in half and whatnot and it's got those big drainage holes down there and she used to go in and out of those holes all the time without a problem <laughs> and she molted and got a little bigger and had a big meal and she got stuck and i had to cut the darn thing off of her and it's hard to do without damaging the spider and without getting bit. <laughs> right. And then you can have this problem with certain pre-molded plastic or ceramic things that you buy, like uh, fish stuff and whatnot. If it's, yeah, if it's the spider stuff. outgrows it, yeah, it can yeah. get stuck in those holes. So you got to be careful with that, too, because I have had people tell me about their spider getting stuck in a ceramic thing uh, with holes in it. You know, and So you got to kind of break that off the spider without hurting the spider and getting bit don't want to get bit because they're so, generally, yeah, even the nicest tarantula is generally angry when it's stuck in the hole and you're trying to get it out <laughs> <laughs> the nicest tarantula is a pit bull when it's <laughs> when it's stuck like that not that this sesame was nice because she's not but <laughs> no they're generally not nice yeah no, she's not nice but yeah that's pretty much yes what i have yeah, I think we got everything on enclosures. Although I know as soon as we stop, I'll think of something. Oh, we should have said that. Or when energy. Oh, we should have said that. But, uh, you know, we're not experts. We're just trying to help and uh, give you as much knowledge as we can think of and and help you out as much as we can. Uh, moving right along. What's next? The uh, unhelpful guide? Is it really unhelpful guide? <laughs> and, Brian, it was your pick. So which one are we doing this this time? Roma Tapelma Kelsey Adam. Ooh, the feather leg. The old African shoe. Oh. Nice, <laughs> nice, friendly, fuzzy spider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, love the spider. No, no, this is definitely not. 
This is not your grandpa spider, okay? This is a <laughs> Yeah, well, you don't know. No. You don't. You didn't know my grandpa. This probably would be exactly <laughs> his spider. <laughs> Not my grandpa. He probably would have rather had a, a Mexican red leg. I think red knee. African Smith- knee. Yeah, probably my grandfather's spider. <laughs> but my first spider was a was an OBT. So yeah, that's just dumb. Not much better than the feather leg. That's just dumb. <laughs> and I kind of think the feather leg gets a bad reputation, and I'm not. I know they're fast. I know they're aggressive. Oh, what happened? I have the technical oh. difficulties. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. We'll edit that crap out. Okay, so Stroma Tapalma Kelsey Adam. Uh, remind me of the order again, John. I'm sure it's uh, the name. The common name is the feather leg baboon. Exactly. And right. the, the description. Description. Ah, description. <clears throat> uh, it's one of the most defensive and fast-moving tarantulas that I've kept. I'd have to agree with that. I have to second that. Um, but they're now, they're they're. I, I would say they're medium large size tarantula. Um, they get pretty darn big. They get. Get up to like ten inches, can't? They? I've never seen one that large, so I, I would say medium cl- large to large. I, I mean, not okay, to say yeah, that they we'll don't. Go, yeah, we'll get the higher medium one because they get a lot bigger than they look. I know that they get bigger than um, H Max for sure. They have a basement full of them, and I haven't seen one that big yet. <laughs> <laughs> they, they 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 get mature. They mature at a fast rate, but they they seem to grow kind of slow after maturity. Mm-hmm. They don't get too much size on them, in, in my uh, experience with them. Yeah, uh, what's they, next? The description. Uh, what's after the description? Location. They are they're uh, African from uh, Ghana, and I guess uh, that goes over into Togo as well. Yeah, they have a pretty ri- wide range, from what I've read. Yeah, because there's there's specimens that were I think even collected in uh, Sierra Leone as well. So, and in uh, different parts of their range, they've actually uh, have, uh, they've described a uh, subspecies. Here, I got a list. I found the list. Uh, West Africa from from Guinea, Sierra Leone, uh, Liberia, Ivory Coast, Bernica, Faso, Mm -hmm. Ghana, Togo, Benin, Nigeria to Cameroon. So wide range. Yeah, a really wide range. And then the body uh, size that I have, I only have it in centimeters, but body length six to seven centimeters. Okay, so span with uh, fourteen to sixteen uh, uh, centimeters. Okay, so that's a that's around six seven inches, right? Yeah, which is more along the lines of what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, I I heard that they got a little bigger than that. I had read that somewhere, but I think uh, they just seem bigger <laughs> because of it. Uh, habitat. Well, when they get when they get nice and fat, they are they are they can be pretty intimidating. Okay, habitat. so yeah, they're found. They're arboreal, and from what I've read, they're found in the uh, the upper regions of uh, palm trees a lot in tube webs that they make. 
Right, right, yep. That's what I found too. And the distributed uh, throughout West Africa. Right, and the the areas that they're from have uh, their their high temperatures. Um, the humidity can be high at times, but then for four or five months, it'll as they go through a dry season. So with humidity, they're pretty. Uh, they can be probably pretty uh, uh, variable with that. With humidity, right. And I was just reading something about their wet season. <laughs> the wet season is like most of the year. Right. There's a few. There's a few months though, or a couple months where it's dry. Yeah, they, and that's the hottest time of the year too. Is the dry season is the hot time. And from what I've found with this tarantula is that they don't tolerate colder temperatures as well as most other species. No. No. I haven't had. Yeah, the dry season is January, February, November, or November, December, January, February. Now, the wet season is March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So most of the year is the wet season. Yeah, most of it. But from what I, in my past experience, uh, keeping uh, in, you know, many different houses and stuff and under different circumstances, you know, um, is that right. if so, if things got a little on the cool side, those would suffer before all the rest of them. Like, like seriously, they were the first ones to. Yeah, uh, where they come from, the coldest months don't differ much from the other months of the year. It's just that it, it, the dry season is a little bit hotter, okay. and uh, and and you know, there's no rain and stuff. So it's a, for you got like three or four months. Um, you got four months that's like dry and really hot, and then and then after that, you get a lot of rain and, and really hot. hot. <laughs> really hot. Yeah, yeah, it's just still hot and everything. So there's not much temperature change. They just have a dry season. So their winter is a dry season. Right. Yeah. Like I said, from my from my experience, others, if you if you have if you personally found something different, then please let us know. But from my personal experiences, cold temperatures, they they start to go first. <laughs> They'll slow down and stop eating and all sorts of things when it gets, you know, even in the if it gets in the 60s for too long, they stay, I've noticed. Right. Uh, what's next up? So we have care. Care? So, so touched on some of that, but they're, so they're arboreal. So with mine, I have, I have them in uh, taller glass uh, containers. I think they're probably 18 to 20 something inches high. Um, right. and I, and I have a uh, cork bark and there are a piece, at least one piece of cork bark in there for each of them, uh, water dish. And I have a, a fake plant in there with, with all of them. And from what I can tell is most, I, I honestly, all of them have made like, like just what they described, like a tube web that sometimes will start all the way at the bottom of it and go almost to the top of it in some cases. And they'll use the fake plant as an anchor, or depending upon the shape and position of the cork cork bark, they'll do the same thing with that. But they almost always make a web, and they yeah. like will use the yeah. decoration or something as a as a base or an anchor for it. Yeah, I generally keep them with a uh, in a tall cage with a long piece of cork bark that I can lean from from uh, the front uh, from the bottom to the top kind mm -hmm. of you know and then um 
they'll usually start off by making like some web curtains and whatnot, but it eventually turns into a tube somewhere either up the back of the uh, cork bark or if the cork bark's close enough to the glass, they'll, they'll web the, the cork bark to the glass and then it'll go all the way up to the top. And then they dig in the dirt at the bottom of the uh, cork bark and they dig even further down into the dirt. Or they'll clear a lot of mine will clear that all the way out <laughs> and they'll just have a till they get to till they hit bottom and they'll make a bare bottom and web that right, yep yep i yep i have them do that too yep yep so they do that they make a lot of webs for sure so, in their home anyways and uh and, i i touched on temperatures and uh humidities i think they can tolerate you know different humidities Touched on temperature. They like, according to my research, uh, seventy-five to eighty degrees Fahrenheit with seventy to eighty percent humidity is optimal. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the the temperature. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, the humidity is going to go up and down for sure. Yeah, yeah. For breeding, you'd want to watch the uh, humidity so you can um, drop it. So they have a winter, uh, so they have a dry season. And then once you raise the humidity again, then they'll start breeding again. Yeah. And that, that is actually what we're into next is breeding. If you feel that we've covered care. Uh, yeah. Care is pretty easy. You know, it's uh, you just want to keep them a little warmer than a lot of other tarantulas and uh, a little more humidity, but you got to watch, you know, watch your humidity and your ventilation because, you know, with higher humidity, mites, um, makes molds. <laughs> mites, yeah. mites and molds and mildews and that kind of stuff. Yeah, for the sure. M's. <laughs> um, they usually uh, breed pretty easily. Uh, in my experience, uh, mm -hmm. don't eat males a lot. They, course can and will but not always uh males usually get away and uh you can put them with them again um you want to wait you know to the females uh pretty freshly molted and and has uh hardened up for you know like four weeks or so and uh and from what i've from what i've oh go ahead no go ahead from what i've seen downstairs um right now <laughs> i have I have two of them right. with, uh, with eggs right now, and I've not seen one make a typical like round sack. They make like a flat sack that they paste onto the glass, and then they just stand guard over it. Yeah, they generally make a hammock type egg sack that they kind of glue to the wall of their uh, of their uh, tube web, or uh, you know, if it, if it's glass or whatever, they just it's usually on the wall somewhere in there. And if anybody else has seen a different type, let me know. Because there's another species that I guess we'll do in a different week, uh, Heteroscodra maculata. It's very similar and actually inhabits a lot of the same habitats. And I have bred those on several occasions. And they, I had one make a standard round sack, which was weird. Because the other ones all made flat, you know, the hammock shape that he's describing. So... I don't know right. if Dramatopelma would do the same or no, but all that I've seen is the more stationary type. Yeah, I've seen the hammock webs. I haven't seen um, uh, like ball ball sacks from them. <laughs> that sounds funny. <laughs> I haven't seen the ball shaped egg sacks from them, uh, but I have seen them from uh, uh, Hedroscrodra maculata. I have seen them make both. Right. 
okay. Well, and uh, also, you should probably you would want to try mating them at the end of the wet season, into the dry season, or during the dry season because they like the they mate in that time, and then they hatch when it's more wet, and the food is more more available for the babies when they hatch out. Okay, so we've touched on experiences. Some. Do you have any other experiences you'd like to share about those? Only like at, when we say at the top of this one was uh, they're really, really fast. So you want to be careful. They, they can be very unpredictable. They can sit there and you can be messing around in their cage and they sit there like a rock and then, you know, like, and they don't move. They don't, they don't, they don't blink. They don't do anything. And then boom, they're gone. Like <laughs> it's just gone <laughs> or on you. I mean, they're just, they're just, they can be unpredictable. They are very fast. Very, now, very fast. A lot of people say that they're dead dangerous, oh. and, and as far as getting bit, they're dangerous. And and I I keep hearing that they're medically, medically significant. significant. Yes, I've seen that a which, lot. Yeah, which generally means that they use it that they, they, they use the venom to make an anti venom. Isn't that what medically significant means? I think it can mean a lot of things. So I don't know if I think that that's such a broad term. I don't I don't know that it, it just means that. Um, because the honestly, the in the context of a lot of the things that I read, it was more so is that it was going to produce a painful bite that you might end up having to uh, treat medical treatment for, seek medical treatment for. So I don't, I don't know the the context that I read. I saw that a lot, um, but it was all anecdotal. I don't, I could find, I could find nothing, you know, really verifiable as far as you know, toxicity level or, or composition or anything like that. But right. I found nothing concrete on that at all. Only just hearsay on websites and, and Facebook and groups and, and that kind of stuff. People say they're medically significant, but uh, nobody ever says what that actually means. <laughs> so um, I've read in some cases that they say that because the bite is bad enough that you'll need an anti-venom and that the medically significant means that they can make an anti-venom from the, from the toxin from like some scorpion uh, stings and, and snake bites and that kind of thing. But I, you know, there might be other references to that as well. All right. And, and uh, where are we at now? Experience rating. Keep her rating. No. <laughs> oh, keep it, oh yeah, keeper rating. Okay. Keeper rating. And it's on our scale from from Padawan <laughs> to to the right. to the emperor. <laughs> this is the emperor, baby. Yeah, this, I don't think you can get as 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 far as the ones that I've kept uh, of all the species I've kept. I mean, and I know that that people like to downplay certain things and. You get caught up into semantics as far as defensive versus aggressive versus whatever. And I, you could call it whatever you want. This tarantula is it. I mean, and, and yeah, I've seen people handle like small ones and I see pictures of this and that. And I've handled things that you shouldn't handle either. I've not handled this. Um, the, they will bite. It's not one of those. There's a lot of tarantulas that will go through the whole leg raising thing and they'll end up just tapping at the, you know, and they'll, they won't actually bite. They'll hit you with their front legs or something. Well, no, stromatopelmacalciata right. means business. They will bite you. They bite first, ask questions later. Yeah, they will bite you. They're really <laughs> fast. They're really, really fast. 
to me, they have all the same attitude as an OBT. They're just more capable. They're even faster and more agile, if you can believe it. <laughs> They're faster and actually more willing to bite you than an OBT because an OBT puts on a big show, but they don't really want to bite you. They just right. want you to go away. I mean, in my experience, they're just trying to chase me off. They they throw their fangs into the dirt in front of where they're standing, like like drawing a line, like, don't come past us. This is where this is it. You come any closer, I'm gonna bite you. But they don't really want to. And they'll even come out of their hide and come out in front of their thing and and bite you. I've, and and uh, like uh, and threaten you, but but you really got to really, really mess with them to get them to actually bite you. I actually, not that long ago, helped someone else, uh, some a, a, a dealer who got in a whole crate full of wild-caught adults, <laughs> unpacked them, and you should see what they packed them in, very, 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 very small things. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, those that that's that's a that's that's something that, that's not for the faint of heart, because seriously, I was using like uh, like long tongs, and again, most tarantulas, even OBTs, you very rarely get them to actually put their fangs in into the tongs or bite them where you hear the fangs scraping the metal. The Calciatums did it so many times. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. So yeah, right. I would I would and, and and you know I would rate this as yeah to me this is if there is an advanced tarantula this would be it. <laughs> yeah, even one of the sources that I printed out says uh, defensive tar tarantula that possesses some of the most potent venom out of all tarantulas. So. I still, again, don't know where this comes from. And uh, if somebody knows, please add us uh, uh, at the Tarantulae podcast, uh, Instagram, and or Facebook. Um, we'd definitely like, no. Oh, and uh, email is uh, podcast at gmail.com. So, you know, if there's somebody that can tell us exactly why they're medically significant, and I know you can't see my air quotes, but I'm doing it anyways. Um, but are you doing it as hard like as you can? <laughs> 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 oh and you know see here now i i, I just thought of something I, I wanted to ask you uh when we were doing enclosures mm -hmm. uh, about bio enclosures we didn't mm -hmm. mention that right you know, do you, you have any experience with that um very limited i tried it like once or maybe once or twice um so very limited and it was years ago and uh I, I think before they were like the end thing to do yeah things have changed now so i yeah, have because they're very they're very in right now right for me i'd like to try one but uh i i just don't have the time <laughs> that that takes my my low maintenance animal and makes it very high maintenance cage. yeah right <laughs> so i mean i like your animals because they're low maintenance so turning it into a high maintenance animal is not really for me and i almost uh, though, like, they look cool I almost forgot to tell you that this is my favorite species. What? Stromatopelma calciata. I thought you said Pamphobetes, uh species McCullough was your favorite. I don't remember that. I don't know what you're talking about. 
We did McCullough last week, and you said, and you said, or last show, and you said that that was your favorite. Honestly, Brian, I, if you go back and look, I've told you that every species was my favorite one. I was waiting for you to get it. Well, <laughs> well, well wait a minute, because I was just talking with our friend John Apple, and he says, I didn't know that McCullough was John's favorite spider. Like, Neither did I. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> I've told okay, you that. So this is a recurring theme. All right. Yeah. Every every <laughs> single podcast, I told you that it was my favorite one. That's what I was thinking. I'm going. Am I losing my mind? Am I drinking? Holy <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So yeah, definitely John's favorite species. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually not done my favorite one yet. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have three or four times. Yeah, all, right, all of them. <laughs> and uh, the last thing on the deep dive, our unhelpful guide is availability. And what I can say is they're very available right now. They're very available in Michigan right now. Yeah, Michigan. at least in Michigan, right? In the United States of Michigan, they're in states available. such as Indiana for sure. Right. Yeah, they're very abundant here. There've been I, I have quite a few females here myself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but you know with tarantulas how the landscape changes. That can change like overnight, and then there'll be none. So right, that, and my my uh, tarantula is now worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it happens because <laughs> nobody can get it. Because there's so many stuff. things that can happen. They can close a country. They can change some laws. Right. You know, all the above. <laughs> no, it doesn't take long for your common spider to become very rare. All right. So, yeah. years. I think we've completed our unhelpful guide. All right. I hope that was not helpful for anybody. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we tried our best to make it unhelpful. <laughs> yeah, we did our best. And if, uh, again, if somebody had anything about the medical significance of their venom, I'd love to hear about it. And, uh, so we're, we're next. We're into uh, in the media, pop culture, popular things. culture, the media, tarantulas or arachnids, actually. And what right, I wanted, right. what I wanted to talk about was the Liberty Mutual commercial that right. there is that, and I won't get into because at the risk of sounding dumb, <laughs> I don't want to get into whether. It's an actual spider or a digital representation, but or a combination of both, which it may turn out to be. But in Liberty Commute, uh, Liberty Mutual commercial, there is a tarantula. I mean, not not a tarantula, but a spider that appears to be, in my opinion. And again, <laughs> I don't want to start uh, IDing things that may be digital or real or not. And from and on the television, but it looks to be K K Hibernalis, um, and the person is uh, Doug, the Liberty Mutual guy. He's, Doug, he's that, yeah. He sees that he sees that that Spider Man save the world, and he gets he saved the city, and he gets uh, his powers from a spider bite. So he, he decides to do this. So he puts the spider on his arm, <laughs> and later we see him. Ask it, did it work? And he's all swollen. <laughs> His face is all swollen. He looks like a bloated zombie. It's just, did it work? Do I have superpowers? <laughs> and, so, and so I think you tried to look up 
uh, if anybody had answered what type of spider that was supposed to be in so the commercial. We wanted to know if we wanted to Google uh, if, if there's any answers on what the spider was that they used for the commercial and was it real or was it fake? And <laughs> oh, everybody wants to know, uh, was the emu in the commercial real? Why did you use an email in the commercial? What's going on with the emu? Emu, emu. Nobody cares. And it even says, wait, a new Mutual Liberty commercial, Spider Bite spoiler. Is that a real emu? I'm like, <laughs> nobody gives a damn about the spider except for us. Right. <laughs> John and I are the only ones that want to know if it's a real spider. Is it the spider there? And then, of course, uh, I, in my opinion, John could be right about it being a real spider uh, that they, you know, it's a real species, whether it's a, a digital copy or a real spider, um, because most stuff is done in Atlanta now, and this spider would be pretty common in Atlanta, Georgia, so... You know, it's definitely possible, in my opinion. But our emus, are they popular in Atlanta. Nobody. <laughs> Is the emu a mix of a real bird and CGI? <laughs> 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 Which is what I said it could be for the spider, too. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, but yeah, nobody gives a damn about the spider, you know, according to my Google results, only the emu is important. Was Doug is Doug an actual person? <laughs> I want to know that. Well, he's he's as real as the mayhem guy in the other commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I have for for spiders or arachnids in popular culture. I'll try to find something different to talk about next time. Movies, uh, anything, fair game, video games, commercials. And in the future, in the future, I'd like to maybe set up a uh, um, uh, what do you call that? Like a group watch thing where we all watch together, uh, like um, you know, Arachnophobia or uh, uh, one of the other uh, tarantula movies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Eight-legged freak, something like that. We could we could have a a, a watch, uh, a digital watch session on Zoom or or however you do it. I've never done that before, but I'd like to try it. I think it'd be really cool. We could do it like live on Instagram or something like that, or or on uh, uh, what's the name of that? Streamyard, yeah, that's it. You know, something like that where you can have a bunch of people all watching and commenting and stuff. I think that would be really fun in the future when we have you know like ten listeners. Maybe were there fun. any were there any tarantulas in Titanic? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't care if there was. I'm not watching that damn movie. I've never watched it. I'm not gonna start now. <laughs> all right, so that's what that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, so in the future we're gonna start co- uh covering more uh media uh, uh pop culture type thing. Um I just have to get more time to start watching some YouTube stuff and, uh, you know, reporting on more of what's out there with the spider. So as this goes, we'll get more into it and, and things will uh, more things will come. But for right now, I think we've covered all we're going to cover today. Right, John? I believe so. And till the next time, please <laughs> feed and water the algorithm. Please like, share, subscribe and rate. And thank you all for the people who listen to it for this long. We thank you. We love you. Uh, we'll see you next time. And yeah, yeah this was 
the Tarantula. Uh, 